Hey guys, Ben here. Uh, today we're going to start the show a little differently. If you're a longtime listener or if you're just joining us, you might be wondering what it's like to work with Nathan or me when preparing for the LSAT. So we thought it would be cool if we interviewed some of our past students to give you a sense of what it's like to use our free materials, our books, our paid courses, and our private tutoring. Today I'm going to talk with Naomi about her experience working with Nathan. Afterwards, we'll then uh, jump into this week's episode. Cool? Great. Uh, here's Naomi. Yeah, let's just jump in. So tell me your name. Okay, I'm Naomi. Naomi. And um, you started working with Nathan a little while ago. Or when, what test did you end up taking? I Okay, so I've taken it a few times, but I started working with him before the September test. So like late August, I'd say. Okay, yeah. And what did you like end up doing with Nathan? How did you find out about Nathan? What What's your story there? All right. Yeah. So I found the podcast first when I was studying for the June 2016 LSAT. And okay. then it I like did fine, but not nearly as well as I wanted. And so then I was self-studying for a while and getting pretty frustrated. So I decided to sign up for his private tutoring. So I yeah. did one session of the private tutoring and then I did a review class with him after the December LSAT as well. So I took September, December, and February. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so those are kind of like the two formal classes I did with him. And then otherwise, I kind of just asked him questions and I used his books as well. Cool. So that's, I mean, just for people who don't know, that's the Thinking LSAT podcast. And um, you said you took a review class with him. So that was like uh, an online class or what was that? Yeah, it was like, I think it was his first attempt at doing a class like that. But basically after the December LSAT came out, he had a class of like 20 to 30 people and you mm -hmm. could sign up and he just went over all of the games and then some of the LR and the reading comprehension questions and recorded it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so what did you like about working with Nathan? What helped you the most or what was your experience? Yeah, I think what I liked is that it was not gimmicky at all. And so I don't do well with having to learn like random acronyms for the sake of learning acronyms. And I found that when I was using other books before the September LSAT, that's basically all it was. And I found that to be just more learning on top of learning the test. And mm -hmm. so I like that working with Nathan was really straightforward. It made everything seem really logical. And I yeah. think it makes it more clear that you have the knowledge in your head already. You just need to train your brain to do it. And I think that was a much easier and simpler way of going about it. Yeah, that definitely sounds like Nathan. <laughs> Direct and uh, right to the point and intuitive. Um, would you have any advice for people who are thinking about working with Nathan or anything that they should know? Oh, man, good question. I think I would say to definitely do it if you're thinking about it. I know he has like a few options in terms of like online or in-person or private tutoring. I know that the private tutoring might be a little more expensive, but like I said, I only did one of those sessions and I saw like significant jumps in my scores. So I think it was really helpful. And I also think if you are someone who also likes to get kind of straight to the point, but doesn't expect him to kind of just give you the answers, then you're going to work best. If you're looking for someone to kind of give you the answers and tell you exactly what to do in every situation, probably not the best option because he does make you work through it yourself. But I find that kind of being frustrated as you're going through it makes it more useful. 
Oh yeah, for sure. What uh, speaking of scores, what did you end up with? If you don't mind sharing, I ended up with a one seventy on the February LSAT. Oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What, what are you What are you hoping to do with your one seventy? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm probably gonna keep it. I don't really plan on taking it again. I took it for that was my fourth time taking it in my last. But okay. I'm gonna apply to law school in the fall. I'm gonna apply early and broadly, like you guys have been saying. Don't yeah. plan on paying for law school, but ultimately I want to do corporate law, like mergers and acquisitions. So Wow. Okay. You already know. <laughs> yeah. I have shadowed a few corporate lawyers and I really like what they do. And I know it's kind of a grind, but I'm kind of that crazy person that likes the very type A long hours type thing. Um, well, then it sounds like the right place for you to go. It's, uh, <laughs> that's good. So if you could wave a magic wand, where would you like to see yourself in a year? What oh, city? Man. In a year? I think I'd be in Chicago or D.C. Those are my two favorite cities. Okay. And so that's where you want to end up for school? Yeah. All right, D.C. Well, that's where I'm at. I have to be a little biased towards that. <laughs> are you thinking of Georgetown? Yeah, I'm looking at Georgetown, and I'm looking at you, Chicago and Northwestern. Cool. Well, um, I wish you the best of luck, Naomi. Thanks for talking. Do you have any last words of wisdom? Uh, I don't think I have any wisdom, no. <laughs> so You've got to have some wisdom if you got a 170. <laughs> There's got to be something there. Touche. Maybe another time, but none right now. All right. Well, thanks. And um, uh, uh, hopefully I'll be in touch with you and you can tell me more about like where you get in and everything. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do. Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. As always, with me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles, I'm assuming. How's it going, Nathan? Yeah, good, man. I got so many things I want to talk about today. I'm I'm super, super excited. Dude, I'm excited as well. I don't mean to interrupt you here and I want you to say everything you have to say, but I just thought of something as you were talking. Go. I have, can you guess? <laughs> I have something that you suggested. Ice cream? No, not Halo Top. Oh, damn. No, not Halo Top. That's not ice cream. I thought you had actual ice cream. Have I you, thought you suggested that I buy ice cream ice cone cream. in your hand? Huh? I thought you might have been holding an ice cream cone or you had ice cream in the freezer or something. That's what I'm excited That's about. That's interesting. So you must want ice cream right now. Dude, ice cream's so good. Anyway, what do you what do you have? Dude, so what have you told me to get? Uh Movie Pass. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So now nice. so now um I went the first night I went and saw uh Annihilation. Have you seen that? Oh no, but I've heard it's really good. I want to go see it. Sci fi, yeah. Yeah, well, this is the problem. I brought my uh ten year old son with me. Um, and um it was <laughs> much it was a little too was, Yeah, I thought it was just like sci fi, you know, oh this bubble, you gotta go inside the bubble. It, the PG thirteen. I don't. I, unfortunately, you know, I was not savvy enough to even check that. I just kind of naively assumed that. Yeah. Oh, it looks like sci fi. Let's go check it out. And um, yeah, I I kept telling him, oh, whoa, hold on, close your eyes for this one. And then he would close his eyes, and a couple of minutes later, you know, it's totally back to normal. And I'm watching the movie, and he's like, Dad, Dad, can I open my eyes now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, your irresponsible father will allow you to open your eyes now. Um, and it wasn't actually scary that often, 
that's part of the movie that sort of surprised me or made me think, what is going on here? Because it's like this sci-fi movie, but every now and then they have this really graphic like yeah. horror uh, yeah. part. And it's almost like, did you know what kind of movie you wanted to be? I'm not sure that it did. So, uh, But it was it was good, and I'm really excited that it was free and essentially, and I'm just going to keep going. So yeah, did you see anything else, or is that your one movie? No, that's all I've so done far? so far. But yeah. uh, I just the fact that I can just be uh, free to go to the theater and not think twice about walking in there, right? Uh, right, has it, that alone that freedom has been worth it. Yeah, it's so good, dude. It's so good, and it it's um you start going by yourself. Mm-hmm which is like just the most relaxing, the most indulgent thing you can yeah. possibly do yeah, you to go spend there. two and a half hours sitting there in the dark and just chilling. Your phone's just off and you're, you're just in the movies, man. The giant screen 30 feet high and the awesome sound and the cozy seat. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I'm surprised how many people don't know about it. Last night in class, I was pushing it in, in an, you know, only if example. And, um, I would say three people had it and only a couple more people knew about it. So Yeah. You're living your best life only if you have movie pass. <laughs> what was my example? No, my example was you can go to the theater only if you have movie pass. But yeah. Oh that's not true, but it's yeah. not true. No, yeah. But you know. Yeah. Change it to you're living your best life only if you have movie pass. <laughs> that then it'll is also true. be a fact. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Congratulations. Can't wait to talk to you about all the movies. Yeah, yeah, for that's sure. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Um, cool. Awesome. Yeah. We got lots of stuff on the agenda today. Holy shit. Yeah. Wait, now hold on. We have a lot of stuff on the agenda. The agenda looks just really have... short right now, actually. What? It does? Am I looking at the wrong place? I don't know. Well, so we should say that we do have a Facebook group. Um, just search for Thinking LSAT podcast on Facebook or go to our website, thinkinglsat.com. And it's on the uh, right side bar or whatever. But a lot of people have joined that. A lot of people are commenting and engaged. Um, I have to apologize. I almost never go on Facebook. So when I do, <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot, someone put my name in something. I probably should go comment on it. But then sometimes I get sidetracked and get pulled away from Facebook. It's kind of an ironic situation because I think most people are pulled into Facebook where I find myself going on there and getting pulled away. I, I don't know what it is about the medium, but I am just not addicted or attracted to it in any way. Not that I don't like it. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't ever get pulled into it. Do you? Not really. I try to kind of stay away from it. I like Twitter better. Um, I'm at in Fox on Twitter. If anybody wants to go find me over there, not that I spend a whole hell of a lot of time on Twitter either, but I like Twitter for news and stuff. Facebook. I, yeah, I've never really loved Facebook. Um, but you can find me on there and dude, the thinking else at podcast group on Facebook is blowing up. I can't believe how, how big it's gotten already. Yeah. Like we're approaching a couple hundred people and yeah. uh, I don't think that's going to stop. <laughs> I think, I think that's getting bigger and bigger. We've already see, uh, seen people making study partnerships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what is some of this stuff that we have going on here? Well, how are we doing on Patreon? Oh, Patreon, um, we have five users, and they're giving us $64 a month. So Patrons, five patrons yeah. giving us $64 a month, helping us to keep the lights on. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
appreciate that too. And we're going to get to, um, a, well, yeah, we're going to get to, uh, an MP3 question from Shay, mm-hmm. uh, in just a minute, but maybe we can, um, yeah, I want to talk about this news item first. Yeah, yeah. What's what's going on here? LSAC held in contempt. That sounds. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look at it super closely. Did you not see this headline come through? No. Um, yeah, some judge held them in contempt over. Apparently, they are not living up to the full terms of the um, the consent decree that they entered into after uh, losing their accommodations lawsuit. So wow! So they are like accommodating everybody left and right, and they're still not doing it enough. That's <laughs> I know. I it's it's getting it's getting weird, man. It's getting it's getting bad. This is I I actually with my class. I have a brand new class, you know, that started last week in San Francisco. Oh, by the way, I have a class in L.A. starting April seventh that I'm super excited about. It's going to be downtown L.A. and it's going to be a tiny group of people limited to 13 students starting April 7th cool. in Los Angeles. So please sign up for that now. Um, I was telling my class in San Francisco about this whole accommodations thing. And I, I have stopped, you know, I've stopped short of actually handing out the um, <laughs> materials or whatever for how to get accommodations. Yeah. I don't go that far because ethically I feel like that's maybe a step too far, but I do just sit there in front of uh, stand there in front of the room and just say, Hey, if you have any credible case and even maybe if you don't, you should just go ahead and try to apply for accommodations. If they're accommodating people for anxiety, then, you know, you should, you should take, you should consider it's, it's going to be up to you. You're like moral, <laughs> where, where, where you fall morally on this issue. But, um, man, the system is there and other people are going to be taking advantage of this and you have to decide whether you can sleep at night or not. But boy, if you got accommodated and you got time and a half on the LSAT, <laughs> it's just such a crazy advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really don't see how they can possibly be accommodating people for anxiety. That just seems ridiculous. Isn't it supposed to be anxiety producing? What's the point of a test otherwise? Yeah. I mean, it's timed. (laughs) It's a timed test. Yeah. You're feeling the pressure. Well, it's a timed test. That's how it is. So, but they're giving people accommodations. Oh, you, you're, you're nervous. Oh, you have, you're anxious. Yeah. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but. You've been treated for anxiety in the past? Okay. Yeah. Here you go. Time and a half. Yeah, it's the problem with subjective experience, right? Like, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know how it is for people who claim to have extreme anxiety. What does that mean? How, how do you know if your situation is extreme, extreme compared to other people? I don't know. I don't know, but it's... Yeah. Um, uh, it's tough. Now, the good news for those of you who have no plans of getting accommodations, uh, the number, the percentage of people who get accommodations is still pretty low, right? I think last time we saw it was like 3% or 4% or something like that, which yeah. is um, it's higher than I would expect in some ways, but it's still pretty low. It's a small, small group. Yeah, but growing and um, – definitely overrepresented in the 170 plus <laughs> scorers. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's a problem. They need to fix it. Um, my proposed solution is that you just make the LSAT untimed. But if you did that, people would start scoring 180 very frequently. And so then you'd have to make the LSAT much, much harder. Yeah. But I'm fine with that. Let's do it. Yeah. Pull out some of those uh, dioxin questions or whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And filter those through the test. It would be interesting to see. Because people can sit on those questions forever and say, I, I don't see why one answer is better than another. And that's that's a test. That's a different kind of test. And maybe that's more similar to what lawyers have to do anyways, right? They're sitting there at night grappling with something. It's not like they have to necessarily. Yeah, all weekend. Yeah. Um, necessarily finish by a certain time. I mean, they do have deadlines for courts, but I don't know. It's not the same as 35 minutes, which is a little arbitrary. Yeah. yeah. So let's go. All right. Yeah, let's go into Shay's yeah. question. So we're going to play that now and then respond to that. Hey, Nathan and Ben, it's Shay. First, I just want to say thank you for the podcast. It's been encouraging. Thank you, Nathan, for your books that I've bought because they've been helpful. And Ben, I absolutely love the score tracker on your website that I've been using as well. I've been emailing with y'all a little bit, so I don't know if you remember, but usually I get about minus zero, very rarely miss one on LG. So my question is, um, I just started doing more recent tests and I've seen the replace a rule question. And I have your book, Nathan, for prep test 63. And I know it says in there to skip it and come back to it. And then just kind of, it sounds like work your way through it. But I was just wondering if either of you have any recommendations on how to get better at that specific question type, since that's the only question type on LG that I'm having any issues with. Again, thank you both for doing what y'all do with the podcast. And also thank you for being so quick with getting back to me with the different emails that I've sent. It's been really encouraging and really helpful. Yeah, Shay. Thanks, Shay, for supporting us on Patreon. And we are happy to uh, address your question about the rule substitution question type on the logic games. We've talked about this a time or two in the past on the show, but, um, and in episode what one. Do you, and in episode one, we were arguing about whether or not we should skip this question. Um, what are you telling people these days about the rule substitution question? How do you present it in class? Well, the first thing I tell people to do is I tell people to identify exactly what rule they're being asked to substitute out, right? What rule they're being told to get rid of, uh, okay. and get that clearly identified in their mind. And then once they know what rule is now gone, uh, as they go through the answer choices, they're thinking of a an answer or a new rule that's going to come in its place and recreate the exact same scenarios that were created under the old set of rules. And for that reason, um, we're looking for a replacement, a new rule that's going to fit perfectly in – well – that's probably not the best way to describe it. It's going to come in and create the exact same set of scenarios, which means that answer choice cannot be too strong. It can't be too draconian. It can't impose constraints on the game that weren't there before. And it can't be too weak or um, soft. It can't come in and allow things to happen that couldn't happen before. So it's got to be a perfect replacement can't be a new regime that's too draconian or harsh, and it can't be a new regime that's too lax and weak. And so as I'm going through the answer choices and I look at answer choice A, for example, 
I'll just read it. And sometimes it's just a gut reaction. You're like, yeah, this is, this answer choice is too soft. It's not really doing a lot to constrain the game in the way that the rule that was removed constrained the game. And so I think this might be wrong. And all you have to do is kind of think about what it allows the variables to do. And if it allows the variables to do something that you knew couldn't happen before, then it's too weak and it is wrong. And sometimes answers can be too weak and and too strong in, in some ways. Um, but the bottom line is you're looking for one that's perfect, just the right level of constraint on the game. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I say very similar things. The one thing I say before that is I say, hey, if you're a novice at the games, you might want to just go ahead and skip this question entirely. Um I find that new students particularly find this rule substitution question to be very difficult, very time consuming. And I, I, you don't get opportunities to skip on the LSAT very often. I mean, I don't, I never otherwise tell people to skip questions. This is the only type of question that I ever tell them to skip, but I just don't feel like it costs very much if you do skip it. So, um, as a novice, if you're only doing one game or two games and you see, a question at the end of the game that says which one of the following if substituted for the rule X before Y would have the same effect in determining the order that the clowns get out of the clown car. I think you can just go ahead and skip it and bubble in a random bubble and move on and tackle the entire next game instead of spending five minutes on this question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you agree with me there, right? Like you're for sure not going to take five minutes on this question. Yeah. Uh, you need to be able to do it in 90 seconds or don't do it at all. Yeah. And if you're a novice, like you're saying, you're not finishing these questions. You're not finishing the section. So you might as well spend that time that you would have spent on the substitution question answering another easier question in another game. Like the list question on sure. the next game or even the list question and a couple more questions on the next game instead of spending five minutes grinding it out on this uh, rule substitution question. Yeah. The way I, the way I teach it, if you are going to do it, I see it as a two part process of elimination where you go through each answer choice and you get rid of an answer if it's too strong. And you also get rid of an answer if it's too weak. Mm -hmm. Another way of saying that is that if it creates any new restrictions, then mm -hmm. it's too strong. Yep. So exactly. in other words, the new rule is a must be true according to the old set of rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the new rule will make the old rule into a must be true when you combine the new rule with the old rules. Yeah. That's going to be really hard for a novice and intermediate people to follow. I think. Yeah. And but you know, it, this question, I really do. I feel like this question is there for, it's there for the kind of higher scorers. Yeah. I think. And if you're pretty familiar with the test, uh, here's one more way to think about it, which might make things even more confusing for beginners and, um, people who are in the middle of the road. But what you were saying essentially is the same as saying this answer choice is sufficient to make the original rule true and it's also necessary if the original rule is true right it'll it'll only right so oh yes i i agree i'm not gonna say anything more That's right. <laughs> <laughs> i was i'm gonna i mean i was gonna follow on and and try to clarify more but all it's ever gonna do is muddy the waters so. yeah um 
Thank you, Shay, for your question. If you want to go to Patreon and find Thinking LSAT and help us uh, chip in on show expenses, you can ask us a question via MP3 and we will handle it on the show. Um, that's linked from our website, thinkinglsat.com. You can find links to uh, the Facebook group and to a one-time donation on PayPal. If you just want to buy us a beer, you can do that. And if you want to help us pay the bills, you can do that with Patreon. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Cool. So this next one says, Nathan needs to tell the Ask an Atheist story. What's this? Dude, it's greatest greatest moment of my life. It's so good. I have, yeah, I have a the few things here. The greatest moment of your life. All right. Close to, close to. Um, <laughs> so I was in Santa Monica the other night, and I was trying to meet up with some people. And we were meeting up at an at a, a landmark, it was an unfamiliar landmark, uh, where I, I didn't actually know where I was going. So I was trying to meet up with some, like, actually they were also people that I didn't know. So it was sort of like an internet meetup kind of a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're meeting up in Santa Monica and, um, no, it was not a drug deal before anybody asks. Uh, we were just meeting up in Santa Monica and we were supposed to meet at this cannon and, I ask a guy at a bar and he's, Oh yeah, it's up on the bluff. The cannons up on the bluff. And so I climb up there to the bluff up above the Santa Monica pier and I'm, I'm at this cannon and ironically at the cannon, there were all sorts of drug deals going on. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem like the right place where I'm supposed to be meeting my, my people. This is, this is kind of odd. This is not the group I was expecting to meet. Maybe subconsciously you were hoping to go there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, uh, I, I, I look around for somebody to ask because as I'm, I'm also texting these strange people trying to figure out where they are Mm -hmm. and somebody texts, Oh, I think there might be two cannon. And I'm like, in that case, so shit, I'm at the wrong cannon. Yeah. Yeah. But I can only see one cannon. So I'm trying to figure out which way to go, where to go. And I'm, I'm looking around for people to ask and there's all these crazy people. It's just, you know, it's beach, beachfront Santa Monica. Like there's going to be a lot of weirdos around. Sure. And so I'm looking around for somebody to ask and I see somebody with a signboard. Now, normally people standing on the sidewalk with a signboard are crazy people. Okay. This guy though is holding a signboard that says, ask an atheist. <laughs> that's literally what the sign, that's the headline on the sideboard is ask an atheist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it said more stuff on the signboard, but I didn't even read it because I needed directions to see if I could find this other canon. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to ask an atheist. <laughs> and so I walk up to the dude and I'm like, Hey man, I'm looking, I'm trying to meet these people. Do you happen to know if there is another canon up here? And he goes, you know, I don't know, but I'd be happy to Google that for you. Mm. And so he whips out his phone and starts Googling it. Yeah. And I whip out my phone and I start Googling it. And he goes, oh, we're going to do competing Googling, huh? And I go, sure, yeah. So we both start looking for it. And he goes, he finds something first on on Wikipedia or whatever. He finds something about the canon. Yeah. And he reads me this little snippet and it says canon singular Mm. in the little snippet he reads me. Yeah. And he goes, well... That's not conclusive, but we could call that circumstantial evidence. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> okay. I, 
I go, you're absolutely right. I go, um, that's one data point, but one data point is a lot better than no data points. And he kind of chuckles and I kind of chuckle and I go, all right, thanks, man. And I, I just take off walking, looking for the people like another way. Yeah. But, um, I was, it was so delightful because I would never talk to any random crazy person with a signboard on the street, <laughs> but this guy with a sign that says, ask an atheist. And I ask him and sure enough, he's the most reasonable dude on the entire planet. <laughs> he's like just perfectly reasonable. Um, later I, I end up uh, figuring out that there was indeed another canon. Yeah. And I do finally meet up with my people. And we, uh, later though, I was headed back the other direction and that guy, the asking atheist guy was still standing there. Yeah. And as I walked past, I, I noticed that he was arguing some, well, he wasn't arguing. He was standing there reasonably while some Christian was yelling at him about atheism. Yeah. Now why this dude stands on the street corner to argue with Christians, I don't know. That seems like a really dumb plan for an otherwise very reasonable guy. Yeah. But <laughs> as I'm walking by, I go, Hey man, I just want to let you know that there actually is another cannon. And he kind of chuckles and he goes, really, where is it? Cause I need to know in case someone else asks. <laughs> and I, I go, Oh, it's just a few blocks north of here that way. And he just kind of gives me like a little nod, little grin yeah. as this, you know, vehement Christian is complete is still yelling at him about how he's going to burn in hell or whatever. And just, uh, I, I found that to be a very delightful story. That is a delightful story. And because he spoke so accurately, there was nothing wrong with uh, the fact that you found a second canon. No. he and, and notice, it's not like when I told him there's another canon, he started yelling at me about how there's not another canon. <laughs> <laughs> right? It like, was I, singular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My special book says that it's singular. So that means there can never be another canon despite any additional evidence. Yeah, no, he, he was uh, more than willing to believe that there actually was another Canon and he adjusted his, um, he adjusted his uh, viewpoint appropriately when confronted with new data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. So anyway, um, if you're out and about and you, uh, and you need anything, you're looking for advice um, or directions, um, ask an atheist, ask an atheist. Um, okay. So a couple other things <clears throat> that I put here that I wanted to talk about. On so the this show. is where the agenda showed up. This is why I didn't see it. Oh, it didn't show up because. Well, no, no. When you talked about the agenda initially, I thought you were talking about yeah. the stuff at the top of the, the. Oh, list. Oh, 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 and there's, oh, yeah. and I see no, no, now no. we have a list of cool things to talk about. Okay. Go. Yeah. For it. I threw it in. I threw it in here. Just bullet points of things I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, this one will be really short. So this has happened to me twice in the past, uh, like three weeks. Yeah. And someone sends an email to a group. I have relevant things to say. So I reply all. I don't reply all unless I'm doing it because I have relevant things to say to the group. Yeah, that's an okay. very, a very important rule that a lot of people still don't get. I'm not an idiot. I don't yeah. hit reply all when I'm on an email that has 100 names on it. And by the way, don't send emails that have 100 names in the to field. That's just a thing you don't do. Yeah. So I, I but this was like, in both cases, it was like three people on the email. Mm-hmm. 
And I reply all because I wanted to speak to the whole group because I had something to say because I was on the original email. And so I reply all to say something to the group. Mm -hmm. And then the original sender replies back to me saying, oh, dude, you shouldn't have done that. You were BCC'd on that email. Uh, I was BCC'd. Yeah. So the other people weren't BCC'd. The other people were in the two field and I was BCC'd. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, and now the, but I didn't see that because I don't go look at to see, oh, wait, was I actually on this email Uh, or was I CC'd or was I BCC'd? It's it's in my fucking inbox. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can hit reply all and it can go to the original people on the list, then why did you BCC me in the first place? No, that's actually a really good point. I have, um, I almost never BCC someone because the idea is either you are part of this conversation and I'm being upfront with the other people who are on this conversation or you're not. And I want you to be a part of it, but I'm going to send you an individual email later. I'm going to forward you this email and say right. something about this. Like, Oh, by the way, this look at just what's wanted happened. to let you know, yeah. I sent this email to these other folks, yeah. you know, heads up. This is going on in the background head. I'll give you an individual. Here's the heads up. Yeah. But the BCC it's, I just, I don't like it. I no. don't like it. So no. just don't BC me, BCC me, bro. That's my, that's my new thing. Yeah. Don't BCC Unless me, bro. everyone is BCC, right? Like in an effort to protect their email. Well, right. Well, that's a different thing. Yeah. That's like, you want to send a 30 person email, but you don't want to risk one idiot hitting reply all to all 30 of those people. Yeah. You, so, and so you BCC a group, the entire group, yeah. you send an email to yourself and BCC the entire group. That's okay. Yeah. But why are you emailing three people and putting me into the BCC field and then being mad at me if I don't notice that I was BCC'd and respond to the whole group? Yeah. Come on now. All right. I just had to complain about that. That's I. That's 100% legit. Good. Good. Feels good, doesn't it? It feels good to come on the show and just complain about random yeah. things. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners really... This is our cheap therapy. I'm sure that... Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, give a book recommendation. I may have given this recommendation on the show before, mm. but um, it is the best book about writing that I know of, and it is called On Writing, and it is written by Stephen King. Okay. And I have just started reading it again for the like third time. And I just got to say this guy, he is such an amazing writer. He has such a fantastic story. He's good at the craft of writing. He's good at the job of writing. Um, And it's like the story of his life and how he became a writer. And it's a, it is a delightful book about writing. So I wanted to share that with the listeners. You know, that's a, that's good to hear. I haven't read that book, and now that you mention it, I, I want to read it. Uh, it. It reminded me of one of my favorite books on writing. I'm not going to say it's the best book on writing because you just said that one is the best, and maybe it is, and I need to read it. Um, but it's a book that completely altered the way I started writing uh, when I was in college, and it's called Style by Joseph Williams. Huh. And okay. it – it's just I don't remember how many chapters there were. My feeling is that because I didn't haven't read it for a long time, but uh, my feeling was that it was like twelve chapters or something, and each one was just a very specific point about how to write well, 
And I remember reading it and just the light coming on and thinking to myself, oh, that's the goal. Like, for example, I think the first chapter was um, something along the lines of uh, write directly, you know, as opposed to um, Mm. passively. Not that the passive isn't have doesn't have its uses in certain cases, but the idea is to be direct and generally write in the active voice and say X did Y <laughs> and keep your sentences simple and short and clear and to the point and have an actor doing something so that you can visualize what it is that you're saying. And I think up to that point, partly because I was in school, um, sometimes you read some pretty academic, dense stuff and you think that that's the epitome of great writing, right? Like that's um, – to become a great writer, you need to write in such a way that you use a lot of big words and um, mm. deal with complex subjects. But the reality is that you can deal with complex things but write about them in the clearest, most direct, easily visible st- way possible so that your reader can get your message. And that was like chapter yeah. one and he gave specific examples of how to use verbs. And and then there was another chapter on avoiding adverbs and the whole, the whole nine yards, you know? And I just remember thinking like, wow, now I understand the goal that I should have or goals that I should have when I'm writing. And it, it just changed everything because a lot of times, you know, you not, you might not be very good at something, but if you know the direction that you need to head in, you can get there over time. But if you have the wrong goal in mind, uh, more practice is actually going to just hurt you. <laughs> yeah, totally. So anyway. So that was Style by Joseph Williams? Yeah, Style by Joseph Williams. Okay. And I'm recommending On Writing by Stephen King. Um, excellent. Excellent. And I, I'm, I would love to read when I'm done with this one, I'll have to get style and check it out because you are a fine writer ben so if that was your most influential writing book i would definitely love to read it oh well thanks um update from bug guy marco yeah do you want to read this one sure okay uh says dear ben and nathan thank you for your words of wisdom on the podcast i improved my lsat score from a 156 in december to a 160 in february i applied for the 2018 year Mm, which we don't normally recommend applying with a February score for that same year's admission. Yeah. But bug guy Marco says Willamette law has offered me an unconditional three year full ride scholarship to attend this fall Hmm. with the one fifty six, They offered a conditional $35,000 scholarship, which was dependent on a 2.9 law school GPA, which by the way, might be hard to renew because the, class is probably curved around a 2.7 if it's like most law schools. Um, so that was a conditional scholarship for 35 grand a year dependent on retaining it. Yeah. But the four points on the LSAT were worth at least $24,000. And so he's doing the math saying it's $8,000 more per year times three. Mm-hmm. I think he's underselling that though, because it's not conditional anymore. Yeah. So now it's an unconditional, um, $43,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, those four LSAT points are worth a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, he goes on. He says, I will be a legacy law student at Willamette and I will have a free rent courtesy of my parents for all three years. 
I want to give you credit for giving me the tools to improve my score. I fully attribute my improved score to your techniques taught on the podcast, in your free classes, and in the Fox LSAT books. I'm happy to say I won't pay for law school. Marcus, P.S. I did use the personal statement draft I sent you on my application to Willamette. That's the Bug Guy Marco one. I'm glad to see that with the right LSAT score, some schools don't give a damn about the personal statement. <laughs> That's the update. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that personal statement wasn't like the worst thing I've ever said. I've ever, I've ever read. No, but we did rip the shit out of it for like 20 minutes straight. Yeah. You, almost any personal statement can be ripped to shreds. Even great. ones. Yeah. Of course, of course. You get. Do you have any? Um, man, I'll always wonder what could have happened with Bug Guy Marco if he would have applied at the beginning of the cycle with that one hundred and sixty and a better personal statement. Uh, yeah. Um, but that said, he's not paying for law school, and he has free rent. He's legacy at Willamette. I don't know. Where is that? Do you know? I don't know. Here, I just clicked on it, actually. Um, it's in Oregon. Salem, oh, okay. Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Salem, Oregon. Okay. Cool. Well, um, good luck, Marco, in uh, law school. And I hope it, uh, hope, fulfills, hope it fulfills all your dreams and aspirations. Yeah. And not going into debt. That's awesome. Good. Good for you. Perfect. That is good. All right, so this next one, yikes, it's a little long. Let's see here. Um, hi, Nathan and Ben. Obligatory positive remarks. It's not you're not obligated to say positive things, by the way. You could say no, you're not. And also, I would have to say we this this uh, correspondent who's going to go by an anonymous name, uh, not a joke anonymous name. Um, this correspondent wrote us a couple times and I, I sent everything back and said, Hey, Hey, you got to cut this way, way down. And this is the cut way down version. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 he spent time on it and he thought about it and he's, he's very friendly to us here. So I, I'm, I'm going to not be too harsh, but, um, when we say, can you cut this down? It doesn't seem cut down quite as much as I would have liked, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think for some reason, because he's doing it in bullet point form, I think he's feeling like he's shortened it. But the reality is that it's not about just putting it in bullet point form. It's also thinking, is this information actually essential to the question that I'm trying to ask and get an answer to? Yeah. But in any case, he says, um, love the pod. Y'all are great. Ben, you seem like the kind of family man that I'm working to become. And Nathan, your IDGAF attitude is admirable. Great. Thanks. Ben, you're a good guy. I'm Nathan. I'm a good father. All right. Well, whatever. That's enough stroking egos. Time to get down to the meat and taters of this. And I'm indeed from Texas. Okay. Uh, side note, instead of y'all or all y'all, try... Ewins. It's remarkably redneck and just feels great. Ewins? <laughs> Ewins. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Name for the pod if used. You can call me Dr. Anonymous D.D. Esquire. <laughs> okay. 
background. I'm 30 and I have three kids that range in age from infant to kindergartner. Wow, that's, uh, that's a young bunch. As a result, studying can be hectic at times. In May, I'll have been teaching for nine years. The kids, coupled with my profession, make for a severe lack of funds, so I'm self-studying. Cold diagnostic, 151. It's a good start. I've taken six tests in the past month and reached the 160s four of those times, high 164. Because of the LR Bible, because the LR Bible is jump is a jumbled mess of nonsense. I ordered Nathan's logical reasoning encyclopedia. Nathan's explanations are hilarious and informative. LR has been a weak area as I miss 5 to 8 questions on each section. I am almost two months into my studying for the June LSAT and probably the July LSAT, as I'm sure you too will recommend. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. Nathan's books are awesome. GPA, 3.21. Okay, my situation. Due to my family, I don't have the options to uproot and move elsewhere, so I will have to stay in my current location. Therefore, I have three options that vary from brand, a brand new school to a T30. Ooh, brand new school. That's interesting. If I can't get into a school without having to pay or without a large discount, I shan't be attending said university as this decision to attend law school already requires me to quit my job and rely solely on my wonderful wife's income to support our family. Um, okay. No part-time programs, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Might want to take another look and see if any of these schools offer a part-time program so you can keep working. But yeah, even so, not paying or not paying very much it would be ideal, right? Oh, this dude needs to not pay for sure. Yeah, uh, not even large discounts. Not good enough. Don't pay. Don't pay. You got three kids, dude. Don't pay. Come on. Questions. One, without simply referring me to the ABA 509 report that I have already looked at, do you think full tuition scholarship would even be attainable with that GPA? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Depends on the... I mean, if, <laughs> he knows what we're... Uh, <laughs> um, well, I guess if, if, if we could just move on to the next question if we're not allowed to refer him back to the ABA 509. Yeah, that's what we would have to do to figure out whether you'd have a chance. Also, what school are we talking about? We don't even know what school he's talking about. He's talking about anywhere between a brand new school and a top 30. It's going to vary he needs, from school to school. Yeah. Well, right. So it's all three of those ABA 509 reports. And I mean, the brand new school, who fucking knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Probably I would, but I mean, my short answer is, Yes, get yourself a really great LSAT score, and yes, you can get a full tuition scholarship somewhere. 3.2 is not great, but it's not shitty either. Yeah. And you're older, you've been out of school for a while. If you roll in there with a 165 some, to some brand new law school, I don't know why they don't let you go for free. They should let you go for free. Otherwise, fuck them. There you go. I mean, and once you get your score, you're just going to have to go back to the ABA 509 report. I don't know what else to say there. Number two, is there a benefit to attending school part-time versus full-time? Yes, you can work. Wait, asterisk. I would have to quit my current job to attend school and would probably need a part-time job to supplement income. Okay. He's saying he can't – does he think he he can't do a part-time program even – maybe as a teacher, 
it's just not even possible to do part-time law school. Yeah, maybe you have to do too much work at night or something. That's possible, I suppose. The only downside to part-time is that it takes a year longer. But if it allows you to work and make money, then that may be necessary, even if you go to school for free, just because you need to pay for life. Yeah, and for, for somebody who's a little bit older... I think you might find your colleagues in the part-time program to be a bit more compelling than your colleagues in the full-time program. Yeah. I just, I think sometimes when you're a little bit older, you're going to get a little annoyed by the 21 year olds in the, in your law school classes. Yeah. So that would be a potentially another advantage for somebody who's a bit older, or if you really like young people, then the exact opposite of that advice, (laughs) go to, go to a full-time program with a bunch of people straight out of college, if you if you think you're going to enjoy that better. Yeah, it's an interesting twist. It seems to me like the part-time program people are a little more mature and serious about their education, but a little less competitive, you know? Well, because they have other shit yeah. going on. Yeah. They have families and they have jobs. Mm-hmm. And the family takes some mandatory time and the job takes some mandatory time. And actually, both of those things are higher priority than law school. Yeah. So when you're in a part-time program, it's like the, the law classes are everybody's third priority mm-hmm. or second priority. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a full-time program, for many people, that's the number one meaning of life. Mm-hmm. And that is a pretty it's an uh, kind of a ugly per it's an ugly thing. I don't know. It's just like, if you start thinking about like the prisoner's dilemma or whatever, right. How, how much everyone else is studying Yeah. in the full-time program, everybody has incentive to study all the time. Yeah. And in the part-time program, it's just impossible. Like the, the incentive's still there, but everybody else has too much other stuff to do. So they can't, they can't compete all that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think part-time programs tend to be a little more, friendly, collaborative, and, and just sort of calm. Like people, people realize, Hey, if I can't do this in two hours a night, I just don't have more than two hours a night. So that's all I, that's all, that's what I'm going to give it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it what I got, which is two hours a night. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids in the full-time program are like 12 hours a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Question number three, since my logic games section is my strength, does that mean that I am not a good candidate to improve my score much further? No, you can improve LRN reading comp. You guys often say that a person that scores in the 160s and needs improvement on logic games will be a great candidate candidate to get to a 170. But what about someone that kills the games but is average at the rest? Can I become above average by June? For sure. Yeah, I mean, games is only one section out of four. So if games is your strength, okay, that's good. And you've got three sections still on which to improve. All you need to do is pick up another couple questions per, per section on all three of those sections. And it's worth a lot. Yeah. I mean, the reason why games is such a big opportunity for people is that people tend to really suck at it and they can really improve that one section a lot. Yeah. Right. I mean, you never see anybody go from three to 23 on the logical reasoning. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just not a thing. Nobody goes from three to 23 on the reading comp. Yeah. But you can go from three to 23 on the games. Yeah. That's extreme. But I mean, I have seen that literally happen three to 23. Yeah. And so that's why low games, high verbal is always a really great candidate for improvement. But no, again, dude, you got three sections that you're mediocre at. You become above average at, at those instead of mediocre at them. And then that improves 75% of your test. So 
Yeah, no, you can still improve. Yeah. Um, quick suggestions. Okay. This could have been cut out right here. This whole thing, this could have definitely been cut. We should read it as an example of type of shit that could be cut. Yeah. Ben, you should check out Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. It's riveting. You know, I will say something about this book. Um, I saw this email and I saw this suggestion and it just so happened that I ended up reading this book uh, like that day or the next day to my two youngest boys. And I've read it before. I mean, it's a pretty famous book. But what surprised me was when I was reading it this time, it's a pretty deep book too. Um, I don't know. It's just struck me as like very true and uh, has words of wisdom for anyone, including mm, us old folk who are reading it to kids. But in any case, thanks for the suggestion. Nathan. Yeah, Dr. Seuss is legit. I mean, Dr. Seuss is not a joke. I think Dr. D.D. Anonymous Esquire meant that as a joke, but I don't take it as a joke. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Nathan, when you're golfing, remember that you need to hit the ball in the hole in as few strokes as possible. (laughs) Did you not know that, Nathan? Yeah, go on. I didn't have any real suggestions, but I wanted to be like the hipsters that try to introduce you to new things, so forgive my attempt at humor. I actually think the suggestion to read Dr. Seuss is, that's a good book, so... That is a good suggestion. And the joke, the golf joke was a bad joke. I will tell you this one thing about comedy, comedy tip. Yeah. If you have to say just kidding, or if you have to say, forgive my attempt at humor, probably just go ahead and cut that one out of your routine. You didn't need to say that one. All right. Thanks though. Good. Good. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for emailing. All right, here we go. Still going. Final statements. Final statements. It's underlined with a colon and a line break in between. Oh, a full blank line after that. Final statements. Here we go. Bullets. Bullets. Okay. Thanks for all you guys do. Sure. I know that this is not something that is required of you, so thank you very much. (laughs) Nope, it's not required. Uh, Nathan, your book is 100% worth the money. If nothing else, it offers a different perspective on LR than one will certainly not get from any other source. Yeah. That's my logical reasoning encyclopedia available on Amazon. Just go to amazon.com and search for Nathan Fox LSAT or Fox LSAT logical reasoning encyclopedia. And you will see all of my six wonderful LSAT books and you can buy them and Three entities will get paid when you do that. First, Amazon will take about half of the money. Then the LSAC will take about half of the remaining money. And then if there's anything left, I will get paid. So um, anyway, yeah. Amazon gets about half of the total? Mm -hmm. And LSAC gets 25%? Well, LSAC takes a gigantic fee. Well, I'm surprised that LSAC's fee is smaller than Amazon's because I know the pain of LSAC's fees. Right. But the reason is I have to mark it up so much because Amazon gets paid first. See, that's the problem is that Amazon gets paid first. So like with my encyclopedia, I can charge $80 for it. Amazon takes half of that. And then the LSAC fee on that book is gigantic. It has 550 questions in it. So anyway, I just end up, uh, I'm, I'm on hind teat as they say. Hind teat? I've that. never heard that uh, phrase before. Hind teat? No. Can you help me out? Um, 
Yeah, if you're like a suckling pig mm. and you're the runt of the litter, mm. then you're sucking hind teeth. Mm. Got it. And and you 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 remain a runt, <laughs> and then you wither away and die. <laughs> Are you dying, Nathan? <laughs> nah, I'm doing all right. Well, it's tough because um, my uh, my class study guide, right? I think I mentioned maybe I mentioned this last time. It's 300 pages, and it's almost entirely official LSAT questions except for like Mm -hmm. 40 pages of, of explanations. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't remember the exact number right now, but Matt and I have calculated before and it's something like $50 or $55 in royalties per book goes to LSAC. And it might be like, like 48, 50. Anyways, it's a, it's a big chunk of money and people sometimes they lose their book and they're like, Oh, Hey, can I get another one? It's like, well, yeah, you know, sure. That's tough. But they don't realize, I think that it's like, Whoa, it's not just printing out another book. It's LSAC's lovely monopoly on their official questions, but you know, official questions are, are good to have. So, well, you have to use the official questions. I mean, it's a bit of a bummer that they charge licensees more for the questions than they themselves charge in their own books. Yeah, it's a really bizarre situation. That's <clears throat> that's that's weird. Um, I mean, you can just use the official books and just hand out the official books to students. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got to refer them to pages when you want to talk to about talk to them about a specific question. Yeah. And yeah, it's just quite a racket they got going. They make a, they make a ton of money. I will say, yeah, I mean, when you pay me a thousand dollars to take an LSAT class, it's a bargain by the way, and you should go to my website right now and sign up. But when you do that, um, I, I mean, of that thousand, I've never added it up for any individual student, but by the time I hand you three of my books that have licensed questions, and then by the time I hand you additional tests that I have to pay a license fee for, it's probably $100, $150 per student, something like that, yeah. is the amount that you're paying to the LSAC when you pay me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the LSAC is definitely not sucking hind teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're like on the first, second, and third teat. Hmm. All right, I'm going to stop saying teat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You want to take this next one from Mark? Sure. Uh, message, message. What? (laughs) Hello. I have to start off by saying thanks to you and Ben. I'm on episode 19 and only started two days ago. I'm registered for the test June 11th. Whoa. Wait, what? He's listened to 18 episodes in two days. Wow. (laughs) That's nine episodes a day. (laughs) Dude. You might want to like consult your doctor before you do something like that. Wait, hold that, up. So each episode's like at least an hour. I don't know if the old ones yeah. were. Were the old ones that long? I think so. I think we were right away. We were between 60 and 90 minutes. Holy smokes. That's, well, he's probably listening to it one and a half or double time. So let's let's give him that. <laughs> that's still like, that's still like six, seven hours a day. I don't endorse listening to it in extra speed. I don't endorse listening to us, period. good point very good point um okay i've already done some studying and have had about five hours with a tutor i scored my first full practice test a couple days ago which was a 158 
a four section test. I say four section because I have heard some people advise to take a section from an old test and use that as the experimental to account for the length of the test. I don't care about that. I don't care about doing that. I don't care about doing an extra fifth section. I really don't. I do do that. But you do do that on your yeah. on your Saturday, Saturday practice exams. test. Just so people feel yeah. what it's like, yeah. Yeah, I suppose I could start doing that. I mean, generally, I think the value of full tests is a little overblown, right? I mean, we try to encourage people to mostly do one section mm -hmm. instead of even doing a four-section test. Yeah, so they can review it. Yeah, one section a day plus review is our magic formula. Anyway, I was happy with my starting score, but definitely want to improve. I was shocked that I got a 158, even though I missed 30 questions. 71 out of 101 for a 158. Um, yeah, that's not shocking. It's not that hard to get a 160. I mean, you got to get 75 questions, basically, and get a 160. Mm-hmm. I know you won't be able to answer this question with a truly personal opinion. However, I know your insight will be helpful. I have had two lower back surgeries, the most recent one in June of 2016, and was also diagnosed with sciatic arthritis shortly after that. I've gone back to school and have received time and a half on all tests, the ability to stand and to take breaks. Time and a half on the test would be beneficial to me, but I worry about sitting too long. One of the biggest tragedies of these medical issues is that I'm no longer able to sit for extended periods of time, a real American pastime, ha ha. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It is actually a pretty good American pastime to sit on your ass, isn't it? It is. As we sit here um, recording this. Yeah. Um, the difference between two hours and 55 minutes versus four hours, 22 and a half minutes is a world of difference in pain for me. LSAC said I could move on from a section once I'm done, only if I'm the only one in the room testing with 1.5 time, 1.5 X time. Yeah, <clears throat> I've heard of people getting accommodated before and then complaining about the length of the test. <laughs> uh, just... People cannot be satisfied. Nah, they're lawyers. They're lawyers. Well, they're just they're you just know? Homo sapiens, right? Like, yeah. Oh, this test is not. They don't give me enough time. I want more time. Okay, here you can have more time. Oh, the test is too long. <laughs> yeah. And if you gave them a great score, they'd say, "Why couldn't it be better?" Like, yeah. it's just our, our, the human condition. Yeah. Um. I, I will say, I mean, I'm kind of poking fun a little bit, but I will say, uh, I only have had one back surgery, <laughs> but, uh, the first thing that, that I, when I know, I, I knew I was fucked when I lost my ability to sit, I couldn't sit yeah. at all. Yeah. I could not sit in a chair. It, there was no sitting in a chair. There was no riding in a car. I was completely fucked. And so I definitely feel your pain, Mark, or I don't feel it anymore. I have felt your pain in the past and, uh, that blows dude. Um, there, there would have been no taking the LSAT for me. I, I would have, um, I was laying on the ground Googling most efficient way to kill yourself. You know, I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even, uh, I wasn't, I was on a different planet. Yeah. And, um, tough. so anyway, dude, two surgeries and, uh, now he's got arthritis and he's got all these problems. Um, 
Bummer. Yeah, I should say, Mark. I'm sorry. I wasn't. I was just talking about people in general who get accommodations yeah. and then complain that the test takes too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, we're using your email as an opportunity to tee off on other people. Yeah. But let's see. Does he have a question? He says, "I know it's hard to imagine the physical conditions since you don't have them. At least I don't think. Well, yeah, but I have before though, so I, I do. <laughs> I, I can't imagine the physical conditions." But if you had to imagine yourself in my shoes, what would you do? Thanks again for the podcast. It's like having two friends who are as interested in the LSAT as I am. Mark. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So I think the question then is, should I just take the test with normal time? Or should I take the test with 1.5 X time, even though... I know that if I don't have my own room, I am not going to be able to move on from the sections once I'm done, which means I'm going to have to sit there for 55 minutes or what are, sorry, not 55 minutes, 53 minutes per section. Mm. Wait, he got uh, accommodations to stand, right? And to take breaks. Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess I would just I would go back to LSAC and just and just demand that you get your own room. If that's what it's going to take sure. for you to be able to move on to the next section. At the very least ask. Yeah. Well, ask firmly. I mean, you know, make it look like they have to give it to you or else you're going to be a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And um yeah, they'll probably just have to give you whatever you want. That seems like what's what's happening now is, boy, they're just getting boned. The LSAC is just getting hammered by the yeah left <laughs> and right accommodations requests. Yeah, hammered from people who want them and from the judges who say they have to give them, give them more. Interesting. All these uh, you know social justice warriors out there, they got to be careful about what kinds of uh, what kinds of of justice they pursue. You know. Because this is just really seeming like the unintended consequences, yeah, kind of thing now, right? Like we, again, we all agree that certain people should have extra time, but once you start doing that, then then you know, you, I hate a slippery slope argument, but this is a slippery slope, and it's like, I don't know. I mean, do we do we want? This is a philosophical question, but. Do we want to be giving Mark extra time because of his back issues? I I don't know. I'm not I, sure. As someone it seems who, like I don't I don't know. It seems like the accommodation should just be standing and taking breaks, right? Does, does the back have to do with how quickly he can go through the test? Right. Like he well, he's dealing with pain. So then he needs extra time because he he has a hard time focusing on the test. See, that's the problem. My problem is focus is what they're testing. So if you can't focus, you can't focus. So I don't understand people getting extra time because they can't focus on the test. I just don't understand what the point is of even having time on the test. Yeah. So I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't get it, but yeah, I mean, I would be more so this sympathetic is, to Mark's claim than some other claims. 
And I think the challenge that you're talking about is that once they provide an accommodation for someone for some reason that seems questionable, such as I feel anxious, supposedly more anxious than others, then to be fair, you have to give that accommodation, maybe even be proactive in finding people who have that same situation and offering it to them so that everyone is competing on the same field. But because they've given accommodations to those questionable cases and those questionable cases could be quite ubiquitous, um, that's where we run into problems. And I think the way they did it before, you know, everyone that came to us, they said, hey, can I get accommodations? And my answer was like, dude, if you haven't gotten it before, you're pretty much not going to get it. And it seemed harsh, but it also seemed like a way to really reserve that for uh, – Unique cases and unfortunately cases where people's parents had thought ahead. So I don't I don't know if that was fair either, but it's probably better to keep it limited, you know? I don't know. It's tough. You got all your boys uh getting accommodated for their um <laughs> kindergarten exams. <laughs> you better get them on My it. My child has not performed in the ninety fifth percentile. Ergo they are <laughs> in need well, of accommodation. <laughs> You got to get them accommodated for their elementary school um, elementary school tests, so that they can get accommodated for the PSAT, so that they can get accommodated for the SAT, so that they can get accommodated for the LSAT down the road. You better get them on the accommodations train. Yeah. Um, Next stop: special treatment forever for the rest of your life. We have not done that, but I guess uh, maybe we should look into it. Yeah, I don't know. That that's the way I put it to my San Francisco class. I was like, "Well, do you feel do you want special treatment? Do you feel do you feel entitled? Do you feel like you should get special treatment?" Mm-hmm. That's the moral question. Do you feel like you should get special treatment? If you feel like you should get special treatment, then go ahead. And, you know, the thing is that that's the irony is that many future lawyers who are killers are going to just be like, yes, I deserve special treatment because I'm me. <laughs> just because I should get special treatment because I want it. Of course I want special treatment. Yeah. Would you like special treatment or not? Yes, I would. Sure. Of course. And then, you know, get accommodated for whatever your, whatever your special differences are. Um, anyway, sorry, Mark. I, I don't know what to tell you about whether you should or should not, uh, take your extra time. I, I think you need to argue for getting your own room so that you can get the best of both worlds, which will be extra time and the ability to uh, shut it down after 42 minutes or whatever, just finish up. As soon as you finish up the section, then you get to you, it gets to be over for you and you get to move on to the next section. Yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah, that's probably what you should uh, probably what you should do that. <laughs> That brings me back again to the the LSAC, you know, them saying that most accommodated students have time to finish the sections. Mm-hmm. That's the most telling thing I've ever read is the, is them saying, oh, and, and we have determined that that when you have time and a half, most of these people do have enough time to finish the sections. Yeah. <laughs> when when most normal people scoring 160 or 165 on regular time you can do that without finishing the sections. Nobody should be finishing the sections or hardly anyone should be finishing the sections. If you're leveling the playing field by providing accommodations, then the field should show similar results for large groups of people, right? You take the the group of accommodated students and you say, aha, look, they're all like, 
not finishing the same number of questions at the end. They're all not finishing the last four or five questions on average or whatever it is. And it's like, nope, the non-accommodated students are not finishing way more questions than the accommodated students. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? Ugh, wow. Everybody, if they only, if the, if the people, the audience only listen to us when we talk about accommodations, they would think that we're like Trump supporters. <laughs> but wait, we yeah. are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But so this, this, uh, you know, this, this goes to show that, I don't know, I, I feel like that means something. We are both, we are, we are pretty politically progressive people. I mean, I'm probably one of the most progressive people that I know, you know, I got, I'm, I am not a, um, Republican, but the accommodation stuff makes me feel like it. Cause I just, I just don't, <laughs> it just doesn't seem, it doesn't, this, none of this seems fair to me. Yeah. Not that it's never fair, but, um, at least many cases. Yeah, no, it's complicated. It's a, it's a very complicated issue. And again, we go back to the no brainer of, Hey, if someone is completely legally blind, um, of course they deserve a braille test. And of course they deserve more time to, to read that braille test. Mm -hmm. And if you don't agree with that, then I, you, what kind of monster are you really? I don't <laughs> Those know. That's people, just, that's now, crazy. They are monsters. <laughs> yeah. Well, we that's nuts. I don't, I don't <laughs> see how anybody could be that much of an extreme, you know, just well that's that's thumbs the brakes mm -hmm. he's blind sorry you can't be a lawyer now because you're blind like that's not that's stupid yeah. but this idea that we're gonna just start now trying to accommodate every difference mm -hmm. I, I just don't know about this physical pain issue i i don't know man mark i'm i feel you dude about the about the back pain that is fucking brutal and the inability to sit is a is a real problem that sucks so i'm i'm sorry that you're having that problem uh <laughs> i hope you can get that fixed is what i really hope yeah and then all this lsat shit that's that's another issue well th thanks yeah. for moving on yeah thanks mark um yeah thanks this mark. is from listener matt summary of recent lsac survey okay so lsac sent out a survey and it says oh wait what so there was a question that asked something along the lines of oh, – so this is – we don't have the exact survey, I guess, but M Matt is remembering this. In your opinion, should LSAC begin administering the LSAT on a monthly basis, yes or no? <laughs> Whoa. That would be a sea change, uh, which was followed up by a question asking if the LSAT was distributed monthly – or more often, which one of the which of the following months would you be most likely to take it in? With it then listing all twelve months, I chose May because I currently work as a teacher and prefer spending June and July traveling in January, because I think it's more practical than February, as it would be still allow for people to apply within the cycle without as much risk. Then further down, there was a question that asked. Which of the following technologies did you use or do you use? And it had a list of different smartphones, tablets, desktops, and laptops. It then asked if it would be if I would be interested in taking an electronically distributed LSAT, and if so, on which of the aforementioned technologies would I prefer for it to be on? <laughs> aforementioned. Mm. Interesting. So um 
Okay, a couple of revelations there. LSAT's looking at having a monthly test, and if not super surprising here that they're thinking about doing it digitally, although I'm surprised that they're still debating the medium by which they should do it. I thought they had already settled on... Um, settled on the tablets yeah, the since they tested it twice already. Tablets. But, hey, it would be better if they switched to desktop anyway. They, I mean, this isn't... Once you got the system working, it's pretty easy to change the screen. So well, I hope they do. Also... Should it be distributed monthly? No, it should be continuously. Yeah, it should be at the testing centers, yeah. at those whatever testing centers are, yeah. like the GMAT and like the GRE and like every other modern test. That's how I want you to do it because that would be the easiest way, and then you wouldn't have to have it once a month. You could have it every day. Well, that's the other <laughs> thing is actually like what you're saying is if they did do it monthly, holy smokes, they'd have to come up with a ton of new questions. Whereas if they go, ironically, all the way to all the time, then you can get into the situation where you have tests that are randomly created on the fly based on a bank a very of large test bank. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pull from all those past February LSATs, rewrite a few <laughs> released questions, and then just start uh, doing it daily. Yeah. It's it's ironic that they're, they're upping the, the – the number of tests, but they're actually making, so they're making their work like four times more difficult or three times more difficult if they did it every month (laughs) and they would actually be better to do it every day. It'd be easier. They, yeah, they should call up the GRE. (laughs) The test that's destroying them. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, Hey guys, what do you guys do? Actually, you don't even need to call them up. You can just observe what they've been doing for the last You could ask some person who just took the GRE and knows nothing about the test industry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you'd know more than this stupid survey. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. I mean, now, then again, they do print money, right? So, the, so yeah, they are... Yeah, there's financial. They, they're winning. They're winning. You know, they're... You, you said the GRE is destroying them. That's completely not true. They There are more people taking the LSAT. You know, again, the numbers are bumping back up, right? So, well, G- GRE, I mean, it's like in the 700,000s, right? Whereas uh, LSAT's in the 100,000. Right. But LSAT's just for law school and GRE's for a million other graduate programs, yeah. every master's degree. And it's so, yeah. Anyway, the LSAC, if you're feeling sorry for them, you're feeling sorry for the wrong folks because they're, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> the second teat, right? They're first, no, they're teat, first, teat. first second, and third teat. They're, they got all the teats. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're doing, they're doing well, but I mean, if they wanted to be friendly to their customers, the students, um, they would make the test continuously offered at any one of these, um, testing centers that are in strip malls everywhere, all the way across the country, strip mall near you. There's a little testing center, probably never even noticed it before. It's just sitting there with computers in it. And for the GMAT, you can like register and go take the GMAT two weeks from now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, when you take the test on one of those computers, you get done taking the test and it says, would you like to see your score? And you say, sure. And it says, okay, here's your score. Boom. On the screen. So that's two weeks. In two weeks, you could have your score. Yeah. Two weeks from registering, you can have your score. 
Whereas the LSAC, you have to register two months in advance and then it takes them three weeks for them to give you your score after you take the test. They must, they must be afraid also to like stop doing this whole like 35 minute time thing. They're so wedded to it. But they could still do the 35 minute time thing at those testing centers. Well, they could do, th- they could, but I mean, if you're really going to oh, do mean like a computer adaptive, yeah, a computer adaptive test and all the test is now shorter. You don't need to use as many questions so they don't have to create as many. But I think that they're, they're hesitant to change or experiment with new things because really their digital outside is not an experiment at all. All it is is <laughs> a paper-based test that's print, turned into a digital test, but nothing else has fundamentally changed about it. Anyway. Yeah. Lawyers. This is what happens when you have a business run by lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. But and they're making money. Again, they're making money. So we can't be too much of haters. Do you want to do the next one? Next one? Uh, subject. Hello and thanks. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I am so excited to be writing in for the first time. I wanted to let you guys know that last night I scored 17 points total on an LR timed section. I have a lot more work to do, but I'm really pleased that my accuracy seems to be improving. I get to only 15 to 17 questions within the 35 minutes, but I have been missing only two or three of the questions attempted. I definitely notice that my accuracy improves when I study for several days in a row. I frequently have Nathan's voice in my head saying, if you're not improving, you're probably not studying every day. Thank you for that. Also, I laughed out loud at one of the wrong answer choices, number 17 on test 69, about a child punching a Bobo the Clown doll harder and more frequently than the other children. Laughing at an answer choice made me feel confident and actually pretty happy while finishing up the section. I'm hoping I'll also just be rolling on the floor laughing, quote R-O-F-L, as they say, during test day, so I look like that crazy person. Thanks for the podcast. Best, Megan. Well, that's that's pretty. That's a funny question, by the way. The Bobo Clown Doll question. Yeah, Bobo the Clown Doll. I do like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if you do end up R O F L on test day, you will get kicked out. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. do that. But glad you're uh, you're improving. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I mean, you know, the fact that she's only doing 15 to 17 questions, but she's still getting 17 points on the mm-hmm. section. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You can do 15 or 17 questions. You only miss a couple. You get a couple guesses right. And you can end up with 15 to 17 points, even though you only did 15 to 17 questions. And that's an excellent start. Not only is that a pretty solid score right now, but it's also a really good foundation for improvement, right? If Megan, if, when Megan starts going a tiny bit faster, mm-hmm. which she naturally will without even trying, mm-hmm. Because she's focusing on accuracy, yeah. it'll get easier and easier. Yeah. And next thing you know, she'll be doing 18 questions. But their accuracy will stay high because she's focusing on accuracy. And that's when you really start to get paid. Yeah. Right? And she's just going to creep up on it. One more question. One more question. Not from racing the clock, but simply because they're easy. Mm-hmm. And with maintaining that really high accuracy, and then that's where the really big scores come from. So. That's fantastic. I love that um, the message has sunk in about studying every day. You know, I mean, that is, I think that is true. If you're not improving, you're probably not studying every day. That's, uh, that's a good thing to think about. 
you know, doing four hours on a Saturday is great. But if you then let the books gather dust for six days, um, you're probably not going to go forward with that. Um, little bit every single day goes a very long way. Uh, we always talk about an hour on the podcast, but Ben, what's this? Do you still do this uh, 15 minute thing? Uh, where I tell people to study for 15 minutes. Yeah. Weren't you trying to get them to like commit to it? I thought if I recall, you were like trying to get them to sign a thing or like make a, make a commitment or something. Can, um, can do you remember yeah, what that was? No, I didn't have them sign anything. I'll, Oh, that sounds very lawyerly. Um, it, I mean, not like it was a contract with you, but just like a thing with themselves, yeah. you know, like to make a commitment to themselves. No, in that sense, yes. There, there was a time when I was doing this more actively, and maybe I should start doing it again. But I was saying just commit to some amount of time. I think I did suggest 15 minutes. Um, just some amount of time that you know for sure right now that you can do every day. And I'd rather they go lower than higher because I'd rather them keep that commitment every day because once you start doing it every day, even if it's, even if it's five minutes, then in, in a week, in two weeks, um, you're going to have the habit of doing something every day and it's going to be easier to do a little bit more and you can up that over time, but I'd rather you set a goal that you can keep and then keep it and reward yourself for it. There's, there's a benefit to saying, I'm going to, I'm going to study for 15 minutes every day. And when I'm done with that 15 minutes, I'm going to go um, buy a latte ice yeah, cream. or ice cream. <laughs> ice cream cone. Yeah. Like it may seem silly, but you have to learn to negotiate with yourself. And you have to, you have to treat yourself um, like you would uh, an employee as a good boss. Most of us are bad employees and bo- bad bosses for ourselves, right? We, we demand too much of ourselves and we promise to do too much and then fail to do it. So it's like we're both a bad boss and a bad employee for ourselves and nothing ends up happening and we're resentful and just <laughs> all these things internally. But just set a, a totally reasonable goal and set a reasonable reward and s- start seeing what happens over days and weeks and you'd be surprised how much progress you can make. Awesome. Perfect. Everybody, thanks for listening. That was uh, episode number 131. Thanks, y'all, for listening. All y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.